The Bazaar is a podcast that deals with mature subject matter that some listeners may find offensive or upsetting. The Bazaar is not recommended for any listeners under 18 years of age. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome to The Bazaar. It's spooky time. Two, one. That I do like a spicy over the head clap. Ooh. Our sound. <laughs> Give me like an ABBA music video. Um, <laughs> so real world shit. I just saw the funniest TikTok. Oh, um, no. It's of someone pretending to be the publicist for the fly that landed on Mike Pence's head. No. <sighs> I, I'm going to share it to the Instagram if I can track it down. But it was so good. It was so freaking good. Oh my it god, I love that. Oh my god. Did you see that? The the picture? Um it's like zoomed in and there's like a, it, apparently a fly that was on his head. Third. I saw the picture. I saw people's videos of it. It freaked me out so much. I don't know what about it made me so no, unsettled too. But it made me so unsettled. It was like a fucking horror movie. Like what like signs in horror movies that something dead or evil is happening or flies start showing up and the fact that it just sat on his head oh like it just something evil is happening have you seen the white house yeah no the white house is evil incarnate but like it just oh like something about that image specifically just got to me it verified to me that they're evil i'm like if a fly can sort of perch on you like Oh my god, it it was and it didn't move. It was literally just sitting there, and he didn't notice it because his hair is like a helmet. (laughs) Oh my god, is that he didn't feel it or like have any sense of it around him, which makes me think you've heard it here first. Mike Pence is dead inside. Oh, he he's dead all around. He's dead in his soul. Like oh my god, oh so fucking gross it was pluto's here to pipe in pluto Pluto, do you you have any do you have any words of wisdom no and she's she's just she's staring at the candle i have lit you know what that's to each their own (laughs) that was like i i haven't watched the debate yet i don't know if i will i tried to watch the the presidential debate and like i lasted i think a record of, of 10 minutes of listening to like Biden and like Trump like interrupt each other like every other word. Oh, it I just can't. I can't. I don't like I'll I'll get the summary of from someone afterwards, but I like my anxiety it just will not handle. I don't need to hear men talking over each other or in this case a man just fucking walking all over a woman. Yep. I we just saw enough of that in our undergrad. I think uh, we're good. I just can't handle it anymore. And I it, like, and also because it doesn't pertain, like it does pertain to us, yeah. but it doesn't pertain to Canada specifically. And there are things happening in Canada that I care more about. Oh my God. I just yeah. can't handle watching it. It's not entertaining for me. It's just sad. <laughs> it's it's really sad. And like as, as much as like um, America is a bit of a dumpster fire right now, I mean, so is Canada politically. Mm-hmm. And like everything wise it yeah no it just 
the election could not i was explaining this to a friend of mine um i feel like like trump getting corona feels like the like last stage in mario like level eight where where he's getting close to bowser's castle and everything's falling down and there's like rocks and lava like shooting everywhere yeah like that's that's what trump getting corona feels like it feels like it's the bad guy at the end of the movie slowly losing limbs and like oh yeah yeah slowly being taken down a peg my my favorite statement that he made and i'm saying this obviously facetiously like when he was just like oh no don't be scared of covid i'm fine and I'm like, have you looked at yourself lately? Or did they just take down every mirror that's in the White House? Like, have you, when was the last time you saw your own reflection? Yeah, no, that. <laughs> <laughs> when was sure? the last time? Yeah. I just, I think he, he, I think that Trump thinks he looks different than he does. For sure. For God, sure. I don't, mm, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, welcome back to the bazaar. Hello. <laughs> the podcast perfectly situated in a really fucking weird world. What a great tagline. Right? We're weird. The stuff we talk about is weird. 2020 is so weird. I'm kind of <laughs> ready for 2021 because I don't know how much worse it could get. I just got a text. <laughs> you look so concerned. <laughs> I just got a text. From my manager that says, what are your thoughts in dressing in costume and distributing loot cards on Young Street? Asking for a friend. <laughs> Can I keep this in the recording? Uh-huh. <laughs> what? What? She wants you. It, sorry. They, he, he, wants, oh, he, he wants me to. He wants you to. Hold on. Walk around downtown Toronto dressed in a costume and deliver what? Loot cards. What? I don't know what that means. I work at a nerd bar. I guess it's just like, I just asked him what everywhere. the costume would be. Like, I don't hate the idea. I, it just I sounds really like it would be something dumb, especially if I'm getting paid. Can you imagine if it's like Gumby or something? I know. Like, well, our, our mascot is technically a crow. So, if I have to dress up in a fucking crow costume, no way. Oh my god. But if I get to just dress up in, like, a Halloween costume? When is this for? No idea. Okay, everyone, keep an eye out for a giant crow walking around Young Street. Oh no, what did he say? (laughs) Inflatable alien from Toy Story? (laughs) Wait, like, the little green men who are, like, um, we've yeah. been praying for you. We've been waiting for you. The claw, like those guys. Uh huh. Oh my god. I don't know how I can segue off of that, so I'm just gonna. Sorry. Yeah. Please, please. Sorry for that brief. Uh, I just couldn't hold that in. But all right. Cool. So speaking of weird. Uh huh. <laughs> we're gonna blow the lid off of a cult, Morgan. We're gonna add this to the long list of people who probably want us dead. Are you ready? Yes. And, like, when I say blowing the lid off of it, we're also, like, not because I'm not contributing any new information. I'm just redistributing, like, the information that has already been out there, but, like, in a zesty, fun way. Uh, so this week, we're talking about the <laughs> Nexium cult. 
Uh-oh. Oh, hell yeah. 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 All right. So <laughs> how we're going to do this is Morgan's actually watched the documentary. I have not because they don't have HBO. So we're going to equal each other out. Yeah. I mean, the documentary is not done yet. So. So we're right in the thick of it. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll do like an update once the documentary is done. Yeah. Like an update at the beginning of like a, a future episode about it. So yeah, uh, the Nexium cult, it was marketed as this like multi-level sort of personal development company in Albany, New York. Um, it had like quote unquote executive success programs, um, which sounds pretty status quo on the front end, maybe some cool marketing, maybe like a good professional chat, maybe some life coaching, but no. The company was actually a cult that was alleged to have been a recruiting platform for a secret society. How spooky is that? Yeah. It's pretty spooky and pretty awful. It gets mm. Secret societies are never a good thing. No. No, I've never, I've, I've never once been like, you know what I really want to do? Join a secret society. I mean, to be fair, I don't feel like they would invite me. Um, I don't feel like I'm their, I'm their desired audience. I mean, there's kind of like a mystique about it, you know? Morgan, are you telling me that you're going to join a secret society this year? Um, is this your way of, of telling me you're gonna just join? I'm not saying no. (laughs) If the right one came along. If the right, listen, if it was like secret society of pizza lovers and all we did was eat pizza, like, Yeah. But this secret society is pretty, pretty bad. So the secret society, which is often referred to, okay, correct me if I'm wrong, because this is what an article said, but I thought this was a little weird. Didn't make sense to me. The secret society behind the Nexium cult was allegedly called The Vow, which is also what they've named the documentary off of. Mm -hmm. So this is where women were taken in by Nexium. They were branded and then forced into sexual slavery. So you might be asking, Alicia, who is capable of creating such an awful scheme? Let me tell you, an American man. Now, (laughs) behind most successful, and I hate to use that word, successful cults and secret societies, there's usually a dude with like a ponytail, okay? And this dude with the ponytail is Keith, is it Rainier? Keith Rainier, yeah. Keith Rainier, lovely. And he's not the only one. He has tons of buddies who he got in on this little plot. Allison Mack, Nancy Salzman, Lauren Salzman, a mother-daughter duo, okay? Claire Bronfman. Bronfman? Yes, Claire Bronfman. Fuck this girl's name. (laughs) Claire Bronfman, yes. And Kathy Russell. And that's just to name a few of the people who are responsible for the mass amount of trauma and injustice involved in the Nexium cult. So... If you want more information about this ugly crew of people, I'm pretty sure you can check out the documentary series, The Vow on, what is it on, Morgan? Is it on Crave? Uh, it's on Crave, yeah. Ah, uh, lovely. That's why I couldn't find it anymore because I do not have Crave. So not only was it just this gigantic, um, basically, worship service to K- Keith Rainier, which, again, was just an average dude. Okay, there's nothing godly about him. He... He apparently had a really high IQ. (laughs) Isn't it like most psychopaths have like a really high IQ? 
Yeah, a lot of, in the documentary, a lot of them talk about how, like, it's a little bit sad that he couldn't have done something more life-changing for people, you know? That kind of freaks me out, because my my retort would be, isn't it kind of sad that this had to happen at all? Like, I don't care well, yeah. if he didn't apply himself. Yeah, but, like, you'd have to imagine someone with that kind of brain capacity, like, you'd hope that they would use it for good. That's true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so before founding Nexium, Rainier created another company called Consumers Byline, which just sounds like a pyramid scheme. And you know what? It was actually a pyramid scheme, funny enough. In 1996, he had to pay $40,000 in a fine because, surprise, surprise, he was caught scamming. In 1998, Rainier and Nancy Salzman buddied on up and they founded Nexium together as a personal development company offering a quote-unquote range of techniques for self-improvement. <sighs> Just looking at these people, like if you were to Google their Google image, like their, their faces, they are the last people that you would want to get personal advice from. They look like background actors in that like creepy town of Get Out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they kind of look like. They look like people that would be invited to that. Like there's a garden party in that movie or like a barbecue. Keith also kind of looks like. Um, uh, he he looks like he he was like a reject on the Big Bang Theory. Oh, my God. Yes. Like he looks Sheldon like. Sheldon had like a deranged cousin. Yeah. Or like he would work at the same university as like all mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a disgraced, like, nuclear physicist or something. During these Nexium seminars, students were expected to call Rainier and Salzman Vanguard and Prefect. So the Hollywood Reporter actually wrote that Rainier adopted the title Vanguard, and this is the nerdiest, lamest fucking thing I've ever heard. He adopted the title Vanguard from a favorite arcade game in which the destruction of one's enemies increased one's own power. There's a clip of him in the documentary talking about the Vanguard and being like, I didn't want to name it that because it seems pretentious, but I mean, the only other option was Master, which you will get into, I'm sure. Uh, he's such a he's such a nerd. Just an awful, oh my God. Like, there's some compounded trauma within this man, for sure that he mm-hmm. has to have developed, like, this god complex. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There's got to be something. Yeah. Within the cult, the reasoning for the titles was that Rainier was a leader of a quote-unquote philosophical movement, and Salzman was his first student. Creepy. Yeah. By 2003, th- over 3,000 people had taken part in their classes, reportedly including businesswoman Sheila Johnson, former Surgeon General Antonia Novello, Enron executive Stephen Cooper, and Anna Christina Fox, the daughter of former Mexican president Vincente Fox. Mm-hmm. Wow. Other participants were recorded to include entrepreneur Richard Branson, who denied having any involvement, of course, Edgar Bronfman Sr., and actresses Linda Evans, Grace Park, and Nikki Klein. In the early 2000s, Seagram heiresses Claire and Sarah Bronfman, who I mentioned before, who I could not figure out their name, daughters of Edgar Bronfman, became attached to the organization both personally and financially. There's also, I can't remember what the name of her is. Um, it might be 
Oh, I can't remember. Uh, but there is a woman, uh, a young girl in the, um, specifically in the, the vow aspect of um, Nexium that was uh, her mother's cousin is King Charles. What the shit? Listen, I've said it before and I'll say it again. The British monarchy? Something going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't. So she's the, so her mother is an actress and her, uh, her mother was an actress and yeah, her, um, so she has like royalty in her bloodline along with her mother being an actress. So it was like this huge whole thing. I'm telling you that bloodline. I, I'm side-eyeing it, okay? <laughs> I'm side you're not telling me that the queen did not kill Diana. And that is That's porn- another that's another uh, episode, holy. <laughs> oh my god. I know I sound like a crazy person, but I will prove it one day. So back to Nexium. Nexium's training was a trade secret subject to like non-disclosure agreements and other sort of legal files, but it also reportedly used a technique the organization called rational inquiry in order to facilitate personal and professional development, otherwise known as brainwashing. Mm-hmm. In 2003, Nexium sued the Ross Institute in the case known as Nexium Corporation versus Ross Institute, alleging copyright infringement for publishing excerpts of a content from its manual in three critical art- articles commissioned by cult investigator Rick Allen Ross and posted on his website. I didn't know that there was a job title that you could be a cult investigator. Like. I guess it makes sense. That kind of sounds like my dream job. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. just like go on websites, assess the website, assess the material and deem whether or not something's a cult. I guess it makes sense because you want to be able to like have a task force out there that's like attempting to protect people who could be susceptible for it, right? Why is there not a TV show about this? Ooh, right? Be good. Netflix, come on, reach out to Morgan and I. We'll put it together. Um, it's kind of like being a food critic, but with religious groups. Yeah, essentially, right? Um, so Ross posted as a psychiatrist. Oh, sorry, Ross posted. So this um, cult investigator, a psychiatrist's assessment of Nexium's secret manual on his website that called the regimen quote-unquote expensive brainwashing. He obtained the manual from a former member, Stephanie Franco, a co-defendant in one of the trials, who had signed a non-disclosure agreement agreeing not to divulge information from the manual to others. So Nexium actually filed suits in both New York and New Jersey, but uh, guess what, Morgan? (laughs) What? Both were dismissed. Hell yeah. So that information got to stay public. And in October of 2003, <sighs> Forbes published an article on Nexium and Rainier following that lawsuit. Vanity Fair subsequently reported of the article, quote, that people at Nexium were stunned, expecting a positive story. The top ranks had spoken to Forbes, including Rainier, Salzman, and Sarah Bronfman. But essentially, Forbes just like reiterated what Ross had said and Mm -hmm. reported that they were a cult. But what's shocking is that was 2003. And nothing happened. So in 2006, I've got so many pages. I'm like a crazy person over here. 
In 2006, Forbes published the article about the Bronfman sisters, stating that they had taken out a line of credit to loan Nexium $2 million, repayable through personal training sessions and phone consultations with Salzman. So they basically just handed over $2 million for nothing to Nexium to fund more training sessions. So Forbes has chased after the Nexium cult for a while. Like from 2003 to 2010, you can trace all of the articles like on Forbes on their website mm-hmm. about Nexium. But again, what's so shocking is that nothing has happened between 2003 and 2010 criminally for the Nexium cult, even though there's all these articles published. Um, so another Forbes article in 2010 discussed the failures of commodities and real estate deals by the Bronfman's made on Rainier's advice. So basically, they continued to slander this guy. Mm-hmm. They pointed out that he was brainwashing people, that he was taking people's money, and then that he gave out bad advice. Oh, good. <laughs> we love it. They were just roasting him. Early 2007 saw a string of financial contributions from Nexium. This is... This is shocking. And shocking, I mean, like, okay, maybe it's not shocking, but this is, like, this is fucked, okay? So, a string of financial contributions from Nexium participants to Hillary Clinton's first presidential campaign, with over Jesus. a dozen donating the maximum $2,300. Uh. The contributions to Hillary Clinton from Nexium totaled just under $30,000. I mean, like, at least they were backing the right horse. Oh, my... Morgan! Hey! They're... At least they weren't backing, like, fucking Trump. Like... Here's the thing, though. In an ideal world, I would love for all... There. Sorry. I'm still listening. It was... Something was happening behind me. I was like... I know. Um, here's the thing in an ideal world I just wish all the bad guys would be on the same side yeah no that's fair it sucks when they're morally gray <laughs> right when they're morally gray they're just like nah, pick Hillary she seems like she's the most logic based like it should be said I don't know if you found this in your articles um, but in the documentary it really did accentuate the fact that the vow aspect of Nexium wasn't the whole thing so, like, not not saying this is a good thing, but... They were crafty. They were crafty about it. So, like, there was a lot of Nexium that did seem very normal for the most part, if not, like, a tad bit culty, but more of, like, more of, like, like, uh, like Greek-level culty, like, yeah, it was rats like, and sororities, as opposed yeah. to, like, sex slaves, you know? On the front end, Nexium was, like, a corporate cult sort of thing maximizing one's success and then on the back end it was just like straight up evil shit it was like a professional development mlm so it was just like we're not we're not gonna like kill you but we'll steal a lot of your money and then make you wish you were dead yeah (laughs) yeah and then like and then the back end of it was uh so much slavery (laughs) slavery and abuse so mm-hmm. Nexium Associates also gave over $31,000 to the state Republican Senate campaign committee and provided over $35,000 worth of air transportation, totaling over $66,000. All righty. 
<laughs> we're playing both sides. We're getting the Democrats and we're getting the Republicans. Nobody is innocent except for Bernie Sanders. That man is, that man could do no, I would let that man hold my drink at a party as the uh, youngins say. Yeah. I would trust Bernie Sanders with my life. He's never met me, but I would trust him with my life. Yeah, I really would. Um, mm-hmm. In 2014, Rainier founded the Nexium-affiliated news organization called The Knife of Aristotle. Don't bring Aristotle into this. He doesn't want anything to do with your shit, okay? Later <laughs> known as The Knife or The Knife Media. Um, there was a joke in there somewhere about rock, paper, scissors, but I wasn't going to make it. Um, <laughs> the Knife of Aristotle was subsequently described as a fake news website and also a cult. So we've got like the corporate cult, we've got the news cult, and then we've got the sex slave cult going on. So it is the trifecta of cult. (laughs) The trifecta of cult. (laughs) They're truly trying to cover every category of cult. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The only thing they're missing is like a Charles Manson style approach. Mm -hmm. Or aliens. And then they truly would have covered every cult category possible. All right, so here's where we take a mild diversion. Anybody remember the show Smallville? Did you watch the show Smallville? Hell yeah. It was the first, like, before... Was that, like, intro? Yeah. It was the first, like... No, okay, Lois and Clark was, like, the first superhero TV show. But, like, it was the first... Lois and Clark was a thing. Mm -hmm. It was, like, the first, like, really widespread, pretty famous TV show about a superhero. Like, nowadays you have, like, the the Arrowverse and, like, the DC TV universe Mm -hmm. and and the MC TV universe where it's all, like, the Flash and Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of that. And, like, it's, like, the thing. It's, like, the the vampire craze. I honestly the have not watched a single one of those TV shows. And you know what, everybody? I won't because I don't like how they look. I, oh. I'm bored by looking at the trailers. Oh, I watch all of them. There's too many. There's too many. It, that's, it, no, that's, that's very fair. I see. I started watching when it was just Arrow and then like it spanned out from there. So I had an easier time keeping up with it. I can't. I can't keep up but with it. I'm stressed the, already just thinking about it. The Flash and Supergirl are two of my favorite TV shows. Supergirl okay. literally just straight up is like Supergirl. Like there are multiple episodes where it's like Supergirl is stronger and better than Superman. And I love that. Honestly, good for her. And I'm pretty sure she does it in a skirt. She does. And Jeremy Jordan was in it for a couple of uh, seasons. Oh, he's so. adorable. Anyways, all right. So let's talk about Smallville. It was such a, that TV show cemented such a part of my life. I used to watch it with my parents like weekly. It was weekly, wasn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like most TV shows on Alicia. I don't know. Some (laughs) subscribers are like, what, daily? You know what? That's fair, but it was like, (laughs) in this episode of Alicia understands how television network (laughs) schedules work. everything nowadays i don't remember what waiting for a new episode was like for something okay now that everything is released as a season i don't remember what it used to be like 
Mm-hmm. So what does a show about Superman have to do with a cult? Oh, does anyone remember the character Chloe Sullivan? Blonde, short hair, a little annoying. Everybody run to Google. We're going to talk about <laughs> Allison Mack. Okay, Allison Mack played Chloe Sullivan from 2001 all the way to 2010. That's like a long time to play the same character. Yeah, nine years. That's nine years of straight up short blonde annoyance. Um, she even won a Teen Choice Award for Best Sidekick in 2006 and 2007. Hell yeah. Yeah, she appeared as a series regular for nine seasons and returned as an intermittent main cast member in the 10th season, including the two-part series finale. If you were to ask me how the show ended, I, I can't tell you. It's been that long, but I know that she was on the show. Mm-hmm. So in 2010, Mac reported was reported to have been recruited into the Vancouver chapter of the multi-level marketing organization, Nexium, along with her Smallville co-star, Kristen Kurek. Okay. Is she not an alumni of Queens? Kristen Possibly. Kurek? I feel it- like I saw her picture up somewhere. Is she who I think she's? Did she play like... Dana, no, not Dana. Who did she play? There was like Lois, there was Chloe, and there was another girl. I can't remember her name. I'm going to be honest. Like I did watch Smallville, but I have not thought about that show in years. (laughs) I want you to know ever since researching for this episode, it has taken up so much space in my mind trying to remember what it was like. Actually, a note about it. I know, listen, we're, we're suddenly turning into a TV podcast. This it's is, fine. Uh, it's fine. We're letting I, you're going to, so this is, this, I will say, um, we'll maybe make you like the Arrowverse a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, they have Supergirl um, right. and they did have, do you know, did you watch Teen Wolf? Like the first season i think so the guy who played derek tyler hecklin oh my god he's so hot he plays clark kent no fr- so he's literally now yeah and that. they're actually they're coming out with a tv show with just him as superman Shut so up. um oh my point, god point being um they in one of the episodes in a later season they have a scene where Kara, supergirl goes to visit Clark and he's on his family's farm and the set is the set from Smallville. Oh, they use the set. They use the like the Kent family farm from Smallville. And as they like pan to it, he's fixing a car and the car radio is playing the Smallville theme song. No. Yeah. That's, (laughs) oh, I'm, that makes it's me so, so happy. It, it was so good. I screamed when it happened. Anyways, um, back to the cult. I back just to the cult. To... And this is going to be the most awful. That was the most awful time for us to take a segue because I'm so sorry. With is so hard. So, uh, the vow, the um, sex trade component of the Nexium cult, had a practice of branding their victims, which was mm-hmm. actually created by Allison Mack. Uh oh. So in an interview with the New York Times, uh, Mac took responsibility for having introduced a branding ritual to the DOS group. Some women who had been branded actually were branded with Allison Mac's initials. So Mac was an, um, arrested in Brooklyn by the FBI on April 20th of 2018 
on charges of sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy, and forced labor conspiracy. During her um, arraignment proceedings, prosecutors also accused her of entering a sham marriage with star Nikki Klein to help Klein circumvent U.S. immigration laws. Oh, good. Yeah, just great, everybody. Good job, everyone. (laughs) According to prosecutors, after she recruited women to join the organization, she used tactics such as blackmail to force them into engaging with sexual activity with Rainier against their will and then enslave them to do menial tasks for which Rainier allegedly paid Mac. So... Mac just like rose up the ranks and was said to be one of the second in commands um, of Nexium after Rainier. So on April 24th of 2018, Mac was released on a $5 million bond and held under house arrest in the custody of her parents' home in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, love that. Love that so much. In March of 2018, here's where we start to like set fire to the awful people. Keith Rainier was arrested and charged with sex trafficking for his role in the group, which then set off like a domino effect to follow. Like in the next month, uh, federal prosecutors would go on like this rampage of more and more people for their alleged involvement, some of whom have now began to actually just like plead guilty. So these are people who were like funding Nexium, who had knowledge of the sex slavery who would pay to take part in sex slavery all this stuff if you like google it there's such a long list of people i did not want to go through each and mm-hmm. every name uh but those are like the the list of of people who are funding it uh like other documentaries so the goal of is it it's hbo specifically on crave right i think i don't like because i have I think it's produced by them. hbo it's yeah no um this is gonna sound bougie but i have hbo on my crave so i never know you know you're so bougie no i do think it's hbo though yeah so like other documentaries the goal of hbo's the vow was an exploration into how the actions of this charismatic narcissistic psychopath can groom a flock of people into like loyal followers practically overnight uh so some of the main participants in the documentary, correct me if I'm wrong, are Sarah Edmondson and Mark Vincente. Yes, yeah. Edmondson was a struggling actress who appeared in several TV shows and Lifetime movies. Uh, she also told her story before in the CBC podcast Uncover, which was actually hosted by her childhood friend, journalist Josh Bloch. I've never heard the podcast, but it really makes me want to listen to it. Um, mm-hmm. Vincente is known for giving speeches and filming pro-Nexium documentaries to attract more members, including his future wife and fellow escapee, Bonnie Piese. I'm looking at you. Did I pronounce that right? Bonnie Piese. I've only heard her first name, if I'm being honest. (laughs) Okay, so Bonnie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. His his future wife and fellow escapee, Bonnie, our girl Bonnie. Mm -hmm. So Sarah Edmondson was one of the many that were victimized in the cult branded with the rest of quote-unquote slaves. So they openly refer to them as slaves, like within the organization. Yeah, the um, you mentioned D, uh, DOS, like you mentioned DOS uh, earlier. Yeah, I get into what that's called. Cool, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, so the thing about this branding that Allison Mack introduced, it wasn't like a quick cattle brand, and I'm not trying to minimize cattle branding either as a practice, but 
Nexium would brand their victims for 40 minutes straight, taking their time with it, which is disgusting. Uh... So getting the brand was one of the steps in the process of the uh, women-only subset of the cult known as DOS, which was billed as a secret sisterhood among Nexium members, but wasn't really a sisterhood at all. It was sex slavery. So the acronym stands for, and this is some straight up horror movie, like weird Satan cult shit. It stands for Dominus, oh no, Obesquius? Obesquius Sororium, which is a Latin phrase that the New York Times says translates to, this is loosely, Lord over the obedient female companions. Mm-hmm. It was also like colloquial, no, colloquially, co- neither of us can talk today. It's colloquially known as uh, dominant, dominant over submissive. Oh, that actually makes a lot more sense mm-hmm. now that you say it that way. Mm. Huh. <laughs> Doesn't make it any less weird, though. That's oh, no, not interested. at all. Why did you have to go for Latin? Like, why do you got to make Latin so creepy? That's what mm-hmm. I want to know. Do you, get in, out of this. do you get into the col- uh, collateral of it all? I I have, oh, we'll see. I can't remember what I typed out. I raged and typed <laughs> all of this at 1 a.m. a few nights ago. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I should not have been doing this at 1 a.m. because it put me into a rage spiral, but it's fine. Um, I like couldn't sleep and then I just, this is what came out of it. So Lauren Salzman, the daughter of Nancy Salzman, was the one to initiate Edmondson into this sector and became her quote-unquote master. Each master had a group of slaves who would perform menial tasks for them and also be available for errands at a moment's notice, as it provided the slave didn't inform her master that she would be going dark. This meant that the slave would be unavailable to reply via text message for several minutes at a time, like taking an elevator or driving. You had to check in about taking an elevator. So apparently part of it was that um, you had to be literally ready to respond to your master at any moment of the day, no matter what. So they they would text, um, I believe... God, there was a specific word that they would text and then the slave would have to respond within 60 seconds. I am such a slow texter sometimes. Mm -hmm. I straight up like put, now that like the world has shut down and I'm not out and about as much, like I'll put my phone down somewhere in my apartment and just kind of forget about it. Yep. Uh, They were were also, uh, do you get into the the calorie counting? Oh, that's next. Oh, so, perfect. <laughs> as Morgan just said, the slaves will be punished as a group. So if one of them failed to respond to a text from the master within one minute, all of them will be punished. Some members were forced to go on strict diets because Rainier preferred young, thin women. Wow, he would not be a fan of me. Um, in turn, some slaves became masters themselves by recruiting new members while still reporting to their own master. So not only were they punished and held accountable, they were also trying to find relief and bringing in other slaves. So mm-hmm. it was this weird slave master paradox where all of them were abused. Mm-hmm. And it was also like, it was brought on, like in the documentary, they talk about how like this was kind of brought on and it's seen, it was seen as and in, like introduced as a way of um, 
completely giving yourself into uh, being account like held accountable for your actions and like because Nexium was all about like becoming a better you and understanding yourself and like being responsible for what you do and holding your fate in your hands and whatnot blah 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 and like part of the master slave thing was supposed to be that like you're being held accountable for all of your actions and that would in turn bring you to a better understanding of what you're doing in life so it wasn't like it wasn't advertised as this we're going to be in this hyper sexualized master slave relationship where i control everything you do it was supposed to be like a like you're bonding and you're 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 becoming closer with yourself and with your your fellow Mm -hmm. uh members yeah it felt like at first like this weird like you know when you first move away to school and you're given the dawn you're like cool someone who's responsible for me that's kind of what they gave off and then you get there and it's Mm -hmm. just like straight up um what is it called not initiation but there's a word for it when like someone who's like in a position of power like um exerts it on someone below them Uh, it's it's obviously not oppression that's obvious but there's a word for it anyways i'm gonna take this part out anyways (laughs) i forgot what the name of it was um eventually it came to light that a certain group of dos women got coerced into having sex with Rainier as a part of their quote-unquote assignments, which was usually ordered by Allison Mack and somebody, uh, yeah, India Oxenberg, which was the daughter of the actress Catherine Oxenberg that you mentioned before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who was part of the uh, royal family. Mm-hmm. As a woman only known as Jane in the documentary says, Rainier admitted that he was the actual head of DOS and he was the grand master of them all. So it's estimated that Rainier had 15 to 20 women who regularly engaged in sexual acts with him, which he would document with nude photographs for more collateral in his Clifton Park, New York library, a room with a bed and hot tub. So it's really not a library. Um, it's like a sex dungeon. Yeah, what? <laughs> That's not a library. Does he? Has he ever been in a library? Is he just confused? Um because I've never been in a library and there's and and been like, oh, look, a hot tub. Like, ugh. it's awful. So he was abusing upwards of, of 20 women on a regular basis. As the vow shows, Edmondson, Vincente, and the elder Oxenberg took their claims to the New York Times for a 2017 expose, believing that going public was the only way to get law enforcement to act on their allegations of abuse and fraud. In response to this article, hundreds of members quit the organization and the many stayed behind tried to destroy evidence of slavery within DOS. Yeah. <laughs> they must have led, left such a paper trail. Mm-hmm. There's no way you can shred all of that documentation. Even in the, in the texting alone, like it's, it's disgusting. Yeah, no. Mm. It's disgusting. In March of 2018, federal agents arrested Rainier in Mexico and charged him with counts of ranging from sexual exploitation of a child to sex trafficking to conspiracy to commit forced labor, wire fraud, as well as identity theft. Mack was arrested, as I earlier said, a month later on similar charges, while the Saltzmans, the Bronfmans, and bookkeeper Kathy Russell would be indicted for fraud and racketeering. 
All except Rainier pleaded guilty to various offenses and their sentences have left to be determined due to the procedural and COVID-related court delays. But people believe that because they pleaded guilty, their sentences were made less severe. Mm -hmm. It's usually Um, how it works. (laughs) Yeah. So Rainier has, of course, been a stubborn bastard about all of this. His federal trial kicked off in May of 2019 with Lauren Salzman, Vincente, and several victims whose names were kept secret testifying against him. Um. So the jury, unsurprisingly, oh my God, my computer's at 4%. Uh, the jury found him guilty on all counts, and he too is awaiting sentencing. With a hearing set for October 27th, nine days after the vow's final episode. So that is at the end of this month. So <laughs> um, we're going to do a yeah. check-in about this. He also, like, throughout the entire documentary thus far, he's just been, like... He's very much like, I know nothing about this. What are you talking about? Slavery within this. That's a lie. Like, <laughs> you can't play stupid when you just bragged about being in charge of everything. You can't play it both ways. You're either oblivious and dumb or the smartest man. Like, you, you can't be both. Mm-hmm. Also, the really cool thing about this documentary in general and about what everything that happened is that Mark... Um, who is like one of the f- front runners in this documentary um, and who you mentioned earlier is a filmmaker. So there is like a series of videos and filming and stuff like this throughout this entire process that you would think is staged, but is actually just him filming things because he's a filmmaker and he films everything. Mm-hmm. So there's like genuine like footage of like inside the cult and there's genuine footage of like, him leaving and Bonnie leaving and him figuring all of this out and realizing that he wants to make something out of this. It's like, it's very interesting because you get all of this like genuine raw emotion out of it. I can't imagine the fear and just just the trauma that's compounded within Mm -hmm. this situation in, in that way, because not only do you feel responsible for being like implicit in what happened, like you feel awful for that, but you also like feel awful as in like you were used. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and abused as well for a lot of uh, people. Mm-hmm. So Rainier faces a minimum of 15 years in prison and could be jailed for life. So let's hope that he gets a little, he's in there forever. Um, <laughs> currently, Rainier is incarcerated at the Metropolitan Detention Center in Brooklyn, New York. Another federal lawsuit was filed in January of 2020 with more than 80 former Nexium members accusing Rainier and 14 others of abuse and conducting illegal psychological experiments, they're currently seeking a jury trial and uh, financial relief. Um, in addition to appearing in The Vow, Edmondson and Oxenberg have both released books about their experiences with Nexium and the latter's memoir, Captive, A Mother's Crusade to Save Her Daughter from a Terrifying Cult. She should really consider shortening the title of that book. It's <laughs> actually getting turned into a lifetime movie. Ooh. Um, so her daughter, India Oxenberg, left Nexium after Rainier's arrest. And this is really, really like silver lining way to end on a positive note. She reconciled with her mother and hopes to one day write her own book about the brainwashing ordeal. It's still unclear how many people continue to be involved with Nexium even after its downfall, though a group called We Are As You has been regularly staging dance demonstrations outside of the jail where Rainier is being held, which I think is like a little weird, but also a tiny bit funny. 
Yeah. But there's this like interpretive dance troupe like outside for Rainier. Yeah, what? It's like trying to show support. And I'm like, what? It's weird cult-induced performance art, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So according to Vincente, several of the participants include former DOS members like Battlestar Galactica, Mickey Klein, who we mentioned earlier, who is married to Allison Mack, and Dr. Danielle Roberts, who administered the brands to many of the slaves. The organization claims it had nothing to do with Rainier, saying that they're in port of all those incarcerated, particularly the one inmate named Kay Rose, who shares her initials with the Nexium leader. So, according to officials, no prisoner with that name actually exists. So, who's ever left over at Nexium is straight up denying that all of this actually happened and that the fact that his initials match, like, another person. That's their excuse. Like, they're, like Rainier never had anything to do with it, but this made-up person named Kay Rose, who was in the cult, actually did everything. But there's nobody that exists involved with Nexium or incarcerated whose name is Kay Rose. Good, good, good. No, it wasn't me. It was just someone who conveniently had the same initials as me. Like, what? Like, I know I run this company, but no, I would never. Well, because it's apparently the initials are K. R and also AM, like apparently yeah. another one. Yeah, so it's like both. Yeah, so like what? Are you going to say it's like what? This person, K Rose, and then AM radio? Like, come on. Like, yeah. That's ridiculous. Ooh, I don't know if I talked really quickly in that episode, but I am like <laughs> pumped. It's also going to yeah. be a very large coffee, and I'm just feeling fired up. Oh, yeah. About this. Um, th- another thing that like might have been the reasoning behind why people were trying to, um, w- trying to like destroy all of the evidence was part of DOS was you would be entered into the, so they, s- it-, it wouldn't just be like a, Hey, do you want to join this thing? It would be someone close to you. Yeah. You'd be recruited. You trusted would recruit you by asking, hey, there's this really awesome group within Nexium. Um, it's really changed me. I want you to be a part of it, but first you have to give me collateral. And the collateral would be something that they wouldn't tell anyone else they wouldn't want released at all. So if they were to back out, this would be posted. So it ranged from people people's nude photos to text messages they didn't want to see history of maybe like cheating or money laundering or anything like that the collateral would basically be given to this person and then they would be initiated into the group and then on a monthly basis they would be asked for more collateral so continuously they would be dug deeper and deeper into this hole of their master, and most likely Keith at the end of it, or Allison, having all of this information and all of this quote-unquote collateral for them that would then hold them accountable for being put in this position. So, like, leaving DOS, let let alone alone leaving Nexium in general, Mm -hmm. but leaving DOS specifically was almost impossible for people so that's also probably part of it was people trying to destroy all of the collateral that they were 
um, yeah, given. the amount of blackmail that they must have had on people, oh. and that that's terrifying. So you also would have then um, the people who who were slaves within DOS mm-hmm. would be like promoted to masters themselves, but that didn't mean that their collateral went away. So they were still stuck in a slave position, but then were asked to recruit more slaves, so they would be the master too. Yeah, and uh, the other thing too, the calorie counting would be, um, they would be asked, like they had to ask their masters anytime they ate, so they would count the calories and then send a photo of whatever they were eating and say, may I have 100 calories, please, um, and show them what they were eating. And that calorie count, counting and like nutrition, um, there's a word for it and I can't remember what it was, but part of like brainwashing and part of a way that you kind of keep people, brainwash people into cults and keep them there is reducing calories so that they're undernourished so that their brains aren't working properly and they think what they're doing is right, as well as, like, obviously holding things over them. But the calorie counting was, like, a huge thing. because like There's also, like, sleep deprivation, isn't it? Sleep deprivation. Hungry. Mm -hmm. You keep them tired and hungry because the other thing about Nexium was that the higher up you got, the more work you did for less money. So, like, a woman in the documentary talks about how she was literally working from, like, 5 a.m. to 12 p.m., and just, or 5, sorry, 5 a.m. to 12 a.m. So basically getting like maybe three hours of sleep and just going and going and going because more and more was being asked of her as like a higher up member. And as she got more and more into it, she would, so there was like financial burden, there was sleep deprivation, there was like starvation, Mm -hmm. just like all of the key components to being like, to keeping people within a, a cult were yeah. being used yeah and that's how, that's how brainwashing happens alicia i'm ending this podcast to go stand on a street in the middle of toronto in a alien a blow-up alien costume to hand out pamphlets wait are you doing it today i'm doing it today oh my gosh okay i wish this episode was going up today god damn it no, because I don't need people knowing who I am. <laughs> if you saw an alien walking around downtown Toronto on Thursday, it was Morgan. You're welcome. You know, loot cards. I don't know what that means, but I think it might just be discount cards to the restaurant. But um, I love that for you. Thank Best you. Best of luck and um, worship the claw for me. Mm-hmm. The claw. The claw. <laughs> Happy Friday, everybody. Bye-bye. Don't join a cult, please.